0: As a kid, have you ever wondered how to make your ideas come to life? Welcome to Spark, a podcast that empowers kids to learn, create, and become. Tune in weekly to hear great ideas. Wouldn't it be great if we could sell all of these toys and make money and then use that money to bring books to the kids in India? It's about passion. Well, whatever your passion is, just keep following it. If a nine-year-old like me could follow my passion, anybody could do it. I started following my passion when I was three and a half. It's about taking risks. Especially as a middle
1: schooler, is you have to recognize that you have more time and more ability
0: to take risks than anyone else. And it's about knowing how to deal with no's. I have a saying that says no, is just an abbreviation for next opportunity. And so after every no, after every 10 no's, you're still gonna get a yes. It can be a simple yes, it can be a really big yes. Listen to real stories about the impact you can create as a kid. I truly believe that anyone at any age can make a difference. Um, You know, if you would have asked me and my parents if little five-year-old Catherine would have continued uh, her fundraising efforts for so, so many years and made such a big impact, we would have said, what are you talking about? Like, there's no way that's gonna happen and also encouragement from other kids to pursue your dreams and giving back. You're never too young
1: or too old to start a business, or you're never too young or too old to give back to charity because it's very helpful for the kids in need.
0: All kinds of real stories about kids and adult creators who have made real impact in the world. If you want to be inspired, subscribe to Spark. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Welcome to Spark. I'm the host, Lee.
1: I'm the co-host, Yang.
0: It is great to invite Dr. Eno Lee, the director of Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in China, founder of E2 International School, and also the owner of a blog that has more than 800,000 followers.
1: Today, we're going to chat about what is success? Insights to all kids and parents. Everyone views success differently. We would love to hear how Dr. Lee views success. But before we dive in, let's learn a little bit about Dr. Lee. Dr. Li graduated from Tsinghua University and got her PhD from UCLA. She used to be a McKinsey partner. Now she leads the effort at Gates Foundation in China. She also founded a school called E2, which was labeled as an icon of education innovation in China. Last year, they have just expanded the school to Palo Alto, California. It is called the Imagination Lab School. Dr. Li and her husband also co-founded a WeChat public blog, which became one of the most followed accounts for readers who care about social and global issues. They have almost a million followers.
0: Hey, No, great to see you again. As Yang introduced, you have many labels. Your experience and what you're doing in China is really amazing. You also have a very fun and charismatic personality that attracts a lot of your followers. Are you always like this growing up? Can you share with us a story about your childhood that may have helped you shape your personality?
2: Mm, all right. First of all, great honor to be here and thank you for the opportunity. Um, well, I guess uh am I might always like this. Probably no. <laughs> uh I think when I was growing up I was a pretty typical good student, uh, by the Chinese standard. I, I did well in school. I was a straight A student, you know, using today's terms. I was number one, ranked number one in my middle class, middle school and high school, and I went to Tsinghua and all that. So, um, you know, in the in a way, it was a pretty kind of traditional path, I would say. Um And uh, lots of my reflections um, actually really came much later. Um, When I became a partner at McKinsey, um, also, I've, you know, I remember that's when I was pregnant with my third child. And then I had a bit of a free time because it's maternity leave time. And then I got a lot of inquiries from young people asking about, okay, how do you quote unquote become so successful, right? um and and then they were sharing with me like what are some of the advices they were given um in terms of how they view success how they should kind of pursue them and all that and i suddenly realized hey lots of the kind of um dogma or you know kind of the, the teachings they were they were getting are probably wrong um not really consistent with what you know i see in the real world is i think that really triggered me to think about okay what Are there sort of the the, the real, um, quote unquote success behind the surface and the labels? That's pretty much uh, that. But if you look at the childhood, definitely now, if I think back, despite the fact I was on surface a pretty traditional student, but I, in a way, really benefited greatly from my parents, um, and my family. And then I was, um, I was never viewing studying as a pain or, you know, as a task to complete. I really enjoyed learning. Um, and then part of the reason is that that's really intrinsic to myself. Like my parents never asked me, you know, you have to be such and such, you have to meet such and such. Um, so I have a lot of freedom uh, growing up. And then I think that's why part of, although I'm sort of more following traditional path, but I wasn't forced to do that. Um, and then I think that sense of um, motive of my own, the the sense of my choice, my control, like, you know, the the, the sense of freedom really is innate, um, you know, from, that point on um, that probably really made a lot of the difference uh, later on in life
0: you know you have done so much in life i can see that you're a dreamer who also takes great actions for what you believe if you would share two keywords that you really believe in what would they be
2: um i think the um i'll I'll pick maybe two one is um optimism uh, and and um, second is um i guess probably action um I think the reason of, of optimism is, you know, it's on surface a pretty obvious word, right? Why, you know, why wouldn't you be? But actually, if you do look deeply into the world around us, uh, there's definitely no shortage of problems, right? And then especially, you know, in the recent few years, you look at, you know, where things are falling apart, um, you will feel it's a pretty depressing time, right? Um So I, I think in that sense, you know, everybody feel like as an individual, you will feel like you are powerless because many things are system level you know you you know change need a lot of coordination need a lot of leadership need a lot of resources and as an individual we feel we have very little of that right and then so then i think that it's it's actually quite easy to feel uh, pessimistic uh, about about things i think one thing maybe um have um been sort of one of my drivers is i i often have time, moments like that as well it's like always remind myself um that um that you know, pessimistic, pessimism doesn't end up, doesn't end up changing anything, right? So if you really want to make a difference, you have to have a positive view. And I think there's one quote by Marguerite Mead, which is really, uh, you know, one of the anthropologist, which is really inspiring to me. He said, you know, she said, never underestimate um, what a small group of people can do to change the world. Um, in fact, the world has always been changed that way. <laughs> um, so I think that's really inspiring. So if you think about that thing, you know, you, you don't feel you're so powerless um, and so small. I think that's probably one. And second is about action, meaning that it's always easy to comment on things, right? To have a point of view, uh, and especially for us who have had, you know, some type of education, it's very easy to sound intelligent um, and 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 informed. You know, you know, you know things people don't know because you go to conferences and meetings that people don't have a chance to go. Um, And then sometimes we get intoxicated by that, right? So we feel like, okay, I know so much, I'm so smart. Um but like talking really doesn't change much, right? So I mean uh, tra- talking itself has a lot of value because you know it, it does transmit ideas. But at the end of the day, it's really how do you then, you know, put the ideas into action. Um one thing I you know really struck me was this um uh, this this trip I took to Finland to look at their um, basic education. So now in, in Finland they have this um uh, course called basic entrepreneurship, right? But that's where I saw I I found probably the best definition of entrepreneurship because usually when you think about entrepreneur, okay, it's you know fancy people who got VC funding, right? Who developed some mobile apps or AI or whatever, and and they have a very very basic and um and, and very genuine interpretation of entrepreneurship. He said, "What is entrepreneurship? It is basically the ability to turn an idea into reality, right? If you think of that way, well, oh, so, okay, that's a great thing because yes, ideas, of course, is it, it, it is powerful in its own." But when you turn it into, when, only when you turn it into reality, that's, that, that's when real changes can happen. So I think, you know, always then in that concept, we should all think ourselves as entrepreneurs. Like, how do we, first of all, conceive an idea and then really turn it into reality? Um, and then, so I think that kind of action, linking the two, um, is critical um, in, in, in making real impact in the world.
1: I learned that you recruited many people into McKinsey. You have also been sitting on Rhodes Scholar Final Selection Committee for China since 2015. Through your life, you have probably men interviewed many successful students, scholars, businessmen, and innovators. While I'm still young, I'm curious, knowing what you do now, looking back, how would you define success, and what qualities are important for us to become a successful future leader?
2: Mm, absolutely. I think um, that's a, frankly, it's a question I often ask myself as well, right? So I see all these, you know, brilliant young people, and then those who made scholars or who, you know, um, become successful versus those who are less so. Um, and I asked myself what made all the difference. Um, and of course, you know, as always, you know, let's start with how you define success, right? So I think I have a, I have a pretty, um, now I have developed, I guess, a, um, a, like my own definition of what is success. I think it's really at two levels. Uh, you know, in a way, it's kind of, in a way combined with the, um, with the sort of Chinese philosophy, this word called wang, <laughs> right? So meaning, meaning basically like, you know, you kind of have a, um, a empowered sort of inner self um, and then or you know you're putting words It's basically you kind of live to the best of yourself and you know live who you are the true self and then and then externally then you're making a real change or positive impact in the world in whatever capacity that you chose so I think that's kind of how I define success and it, it's not related to money or fame um, sometimes it comes with it um, but it's not definitely necessarily defined by that and if you look at that, and, um, that you know, two criteria, and then that make me look at young people, like what kind of conditions make people more likely to succeed, you know, in that that definition. Um, and I, I do have some conclusions. I think at least, you know, these are temporary, right? So it might change later on as you know, my life experience and and insights uh, might deepen. Um, so one of them, I think, is um, is that you know, kids will have to somehow w- during the during the time they were growing up, or in their formative years, um you know I think those are who are successful are those who had a chance to see the real world um by seeing the real world doesn't mean you know you go on you know to travel to Paris to London and all that it's really seeing a a perspective uh, that's more comprehensive uh it's not only basically you know luxury travel but you know really seeing what the social reali- reality is so that type of experience I think actually shape people profoundly because that will put your own personal experience um or personal story or, or family um into a much broader context and understanding um you know your life is different um and similar to other people and how is it similar in many ways and how is it different in many ways and what made those differences. And when you have this broader perspective um you will have developed a um, a different worldview and the world worldview will actually give you a broader perspective. Uh, and basically, again, putting your own life and your own mission into a broader kind of a worldwide perspective. And that's especially true in China, I think, because um, in China in the last 40 plus years, um, you know, I, I really felt that way because I grew up, you know, basically with the, you know, sort of China's opening opening up. And I almost feel like in one generation of our generation, you know, we probably lived through what other societies lived through in three or even four generations. So there's massive social transformation and change, right? So in that context, you know, being able to see the broader picture is important for it to, to develop. Okay, how how do I have a word? You know, what, what kind of worldview do I have, and how do I define um, my value in that broader context? Not only in China, but also in China's connection to the world, and then that's also becoming a a profound uh, issue right now. Um, not only economic uh, connections with the world, but also more importantly, you know, like you know the Understanding of culture, understanding of, um, you know, the, the societal um, side of things, it's, it's becoming more challenging, I would say. Um, so, like, you know, having that worldview is important. I think the second one is probably more linked to the internal piece is um, kids will have to grow up um, in a way, in an environment that provide, I call it, this psych- psychological safety. Um, and I think only all those quote-unquote successful people are those that somehow during their time they were growing up, they were loved they, um, you know, they were um, supported, encouraged, yeah, and then they were basically, you know, being supported without condition. Doesn't, you know, doesn't, you know, it's not because your family is rich or you know your family is like the skin color or not. They they just, they just, there are people who love you just because you are you, right? There's basically no conditions um, attached to it. And if you think about, um, and then like that actually have I, I see so many like young people. I think if you peel off all the labels, right, and like where they graduate from, what they study. Where they're from and all that. I think that's one common theme I found. Like during the time they we were growing up, somehow one way or the other, either through family or through their education or through their community, they were provided with this blessing. And then when you have those blessings, you will see, you know, like children are just little, like little seeds. They you know, they will really have their roots. Their roots will go will go deep, and they will support, you know, the blossom of um, of their own lives. So I think that's the, you know, that's why you know sometimes you know, education. And that kind of un- unconditional love or support, um, and you know, is so important because you will see how they actually shape um, those um, uh, youngsters, right, as they grow up. So I think those are probably the two things that you know, with the combination <laughs> of both, um, you know, w- will you know, make it um, almost. I think maybe the uh, the necessary, but probably not sufficient <laughs> condition, but probably both sufficient and necessary. I think I think you know for. For somebody's um success as we talk about it, and then the rest I think it's really you know i guess depends on timing who you meet and luck, and then there's always the sense of uncertainty in life and then um and it's hard to control, but the first two I think is something quote unquote you can control right because um those are things we can do something about in our education in in bringing that security, bringing that safety net and bringing that love and support, and also you know be willing and be open to and be conscious about um bringing kids. To see the real wide, wide world. Um, and I think that's probably the condition. That's needed.
0: It's very interesting to hear what you're saying, that the psychological security possibly come from one's inner self and the global competency that came from an outer world. So if inside you're safe and outside you know a lot more, then it seems it's a good condition for you to be successful. What about in terms of a person? developing different kind of ability, for example, leadership, communication, problem solving, or math skills, or any analytical thinking, whatever. Are there any skills you think that are more important than another when it comes to being a successful future leader?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think one thing is just to comment on the comment you just made. I think actually these two are not separate. I think only when you actually are you know, internally secure you will be willing and open to see the world differently, right, so you know almost your worldview view is determined of how open you are internally, so in a way that's kind of the world you see externally is is a mirror of how rich your your inner world is um, so it's, in a way it's quite connected I think that's why I come into your question of um of sort of what's needed um again, I mean human beings are complex right but if if we have to give them some structure. I think I do have a framework. <laughs> so I think there there are probably like I call it maybe four layers. Um right? just as if, you know, like we call human beings as, you know, like commonly used in psychology like iceberg, right? So there's things you see that's above the water, there are things you see that you cannot see that's that's below the water. So eventually I guess the simple framework is that, you know, what really make all the difference is the stuff that's below the water. Um so then yeah, if you have to layer it, I, I layer in probably I guess I call it four and one. The first level is really how um, I guess ability to learn, right? So, like, that's, or, or, or knowledge, knowledge and skills. So, knowledge, that's what probably the most superficial ones, right? So, the knowledge and skills. So, what do I know? What degree do I have? What certificate do I have? What skills to, sec do I have? So, I think that's, that's probably the first level. Um, and then, but what determines that is really the second level is basically this, this ability to learn, right? So, like, you know, how, how are you adapted to embrace new information? How do you structure things? How do you actually form a different type of framework, you know, like in your in your mind of putting different type of knowledge into a certain structure that makes sense to yourself? I think that's the that's probably the second layer. And then and then and then going down, and um, there's this this layer around, I you know, you call it sort of character strength. Character strength basically thinks that what do you do you you know in adversity? Uh, how do you respond to conflicts? Um, how do you you know how do you deal with anxiety? How do you deal with you know different type of emotions and anger? i mean in general i mean sometimes we call it social emotional uh, skills and then you or connect to your character so this this bucket is really around how you um really you know interact with other human beings right and with with yourself and with other human beings i think that's quite essential especially when it comes to i guess people talk about ai and and then all those changes that's going to happen i think that will become probably the the absolute um differentiator right of, of us versus um machines so that's becoming very important. Um, I think that's that one bucket. And then the the, the deepest bucket, you know, is basically what we call at a, at a being level, right? So we call it all this stuff up front is doing. Um is is basically we're doing stuff and then we're thinking about stuff. But like at the being level is things you you're basically who you are and how do you feel about the world around you and how do you react to them, um and how do you proactively, you know, sort of from an inner space um project out. Um Part of yourself, so I think that's probably the the deepest part of who we are as human beings, um, and then eventually that's probably the biggest differentiator. Um, because if you, uh, in a way, you don't see it because um, you, you, it's harder harder to see it today because you know because you know people have a pretty, in general has a um, you know our material life is much better, so there's not much so much adversity, so it's hard to kind of in a way quote unquote test things, right? Um, but you get still tested in different contexts, right, so how do you, you know, do you, are you close, um, you know, are you courageous enough to um, stick to your own ideas, your identity, um, you know, when, when things are going different thing, differently than you have thought, would you have give up, or you, would you, you know, kind of you know, stick to it, when, when everything is the same to going against you, like there's no money, no resource, no support. Um, would you you know um steal on to your choices? I mean, lots of them actually you know are typical storyline of a hero's story right a hero's journey and all that if you if you all listen to all of them, all the storyline point to one thing, which is at the being level right so how how deeply rooted and how strong uh, their their self um worth is um so I think those are probably the deepest thing right? so that's why part of when we look at education sometimes it's confusing because you get all these words through at right your left and right and all that right so the but if you, at least for me, putting those in the structure helps. There's no conflict. It's like no conflict with each other. You do need all of them um, as a human being. But you know, understanding that they actually fall in different levels, and then that also helps you to, in a way, prioritize when you have limited time and resources, and always prioritize the deeper ones um, over the, um, the, uh, uh, the shallower ones. and Because the shallower will come as a natural product um, of the deeper awareness.
0: It is fascinating to hear that one's personality or characteristics can actually impact one's career. Maybe sometimes when you see two persons standing in front of you, you don't really see the difference. But as time goes by, the way how they make decisions, the way how they do things and how they react to different scenarios and all these things accumulate, you can see a huge difference, say, after 10 years. Yes. Okay. another question Since this is still related to our topic, let me raise it first before other questions come in. I saw a video you talked about if success is about being passionate at your 40s and still wakes up every day to pursue your dreams, then you are indeed considered successful. I'm curious, how did you find your passion and what would you say to people who are still lost in their goals and dreams?
2: Yeah. I think it's actually the path seems difficult but it's actually very easy. The only way to find our passion is give yourself space and time to listen to yourself. Um I think we get so many voices uh into our head. Like everybody gave you different ideas what success is, and then we kind of lose the ability um to listen to our own voice. Um I think that's like so basically that's all that needs to happen, right? So then when th- something's being said to you, don't just accept it right away, and just, okay, say, uh, great, okay, I, I know this comes with great intention, you know, I'll, I'll have a space for it uh, in my mind, and then I'll give time for myself, like, do I agree with it or not? Um, so I think that's a, that's probably the only path. It's not that difficult, because all your passion, like, I always say, like, we, every human being is like a gold mine, and we're actually sitting on a gold mine ourselves, but we constantly look outward for wealth, right? I mean, it's actually the biggest, Source of wealth is within us. We just need to allow this pathway to exist and allow that uh, allow that conversation to happen with ourselves. I think that's basically it. And then, and then, you know, but that's in a way against um, what we've been taught in education because um, because education has this element which is not wrong at all, but it's this, has this practicality, utility side of it, right? So and again, that's stemmed from you know the last two hundred years where education is largely used. To get you know human beings ready to become um, certain type of workers, some type of labor force, um, and then that's why you know like human beings you know is a economic actor in that sense, right? So that's why we call it human resources. We call it human capital because in, in a way it is a capital or resources. And but that, all those words, if you think about it, has this pragmatic utility side of definition to it. Right. So I think that's the um, that's the uh, the one end of it. Again, there's nothing wrong. Of course, you know, you know, we 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 live in the you know economic world, and then there's exchange of value. There are many many theories behind it. Um, but I guess that in a way, but that cannot be at conflict with what we are. And then like you know, like in terms of the passion, in terms of who I am, in terms of artistic pursuit, you know, things that does, doesn't seem to have much use, right? Um, and what's the value of that? I think that you know the value, frankly, is much more immense in this useless stuff than the useful stuff. Because you know, the useful stuff, you know, frankly, can be done by anybody. Can be done by machines. Even uh, eventually, it will all be done by machines. So then, the you know, the 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 the, the, the more kind of quote unquote useless stuff becomes more useful. So I think that's that's why part of the, the path, um, you know, why is it so difficult? Because it's still the majority or the mainstream education philosophy. It's still around largely this utility phase, right? So even like we, why we want to go to great college is because great college guarantee, quote unquote, guarantee. They don't actually it, it actually doesn't, but it, it gave this perception it, it has a higher chance of a guarantee a good job. Okay, then what does a good job get you? Good money, right? What does good money get you? Okay, house and you know things you can own. Frankly, you don't own any of them, but we have this somehow perception that we're owning them, um, and therefore you continue this cycle, right? So sometimes we're we're. Looped into this kind of utility-based cycle forever, and then, okay, then you have children; they go to the same <laughs> cycle again, and uh, and then so that that's why you know you, we're we we're living as machines, I would say. So then again, there's nothing wrong. Of course, we need to be on our own; we need to be able to buy food, you know, sustain ourselves. But again, that 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 should exist together with sort of the more non-utility side of our lives. So maybe like a simple path, frankly, is to pick up some art, right? Do some doodling and drawing something that's a bit useless, um, but really kind of feel true to yourself. Um, and then, you know, th- things that's, you know, something, anything related to expression. So expression art is, is a form of expression. And I think through that exercise, you will sort of slowly open the door to the inner sort of mine you have. And then that will give you a opportunity to, to have more room to talk to yourself. I guess that's the only path.
1: <laughs> so I have another question. From what I heard, many risks are involved in becoming an entrepreneur but I wonder, so because I'm still inexperienced myself, so where the line is, as in when is it a little too risky to do something?
2: Mm. I guess you'll figure out the line when you do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's hard to figure that, figure out the line when you're sitting around uh, uh, and thinking about it. Yeah, so I guess the only way to get to it is to start uh, doing it. And then, of course, that comes with judgment, with experience. So you, you always try to do things together with others, right? So, I, I, you know, it's not like we're cowboys. We just go out in the wild and somehow, you know, figure out a, you know, something on our own. It never works that way. So it's not a um, sort of, you know, I guess, Western movie in that sense. Um, so the, the line comes from, yeah, you know, judgment, experience, um, sometimes intuition. Yeah, I think that, you know, again, that goes to the point that if you allow yourself to experience yourself, and somehow your intuition will tell you where the, where the line is. It sounds maybe that not so logical, but that's indeed how things work. Um, if you look at all the great leaders and great, you know, sort of people who are successful by our definition, those are people who actually have good sense, right? So where, how does that sense develop? The sense is, in a way, it's not by logic or by knowledge. It's basically a sense depending on your, you know, like the intuitive part of our brain. Um, or the mind or the heart of us. So I guess that's kind of what, you know, like the way to figure out the line. Don't think too much. Start doing something with others and, you know, have the system help, help you find out the balance.
1: So this is another question. So I'm still a student and I go to school. One of the things I don't really think about is, how does a school get built and what it takes to build a school? Is it difficult? If so, why do you want to build a school in the first place?
0: That is a really good question um, to add on that. Education in general is very different in the U.S. compared to China. You started E2 from China, and you kept mentioning that education is not purely just teaching and learning. Sometimes it is also social innovation in many different ways. So now E2 has extended to the U.S., which is located in Palo Alto and called Imagination Lab School. So followed by Yang's question what it takes to build a school, and what is the vision and goal behind building these
2: schools? No, it, yeah, indeed, it's actually quite different. So when I started um, building the school, um, I guess my intention is quite different from many other entrepreneurs, so to speak. And I guess, because schools can be a good business, especially in China. So many people start school or, or education efforts or entrepreneurship, um, basically trying to build a business. Um, again, there's nothing wrong um, in there, but I guess my starting point is slightly different. Um, so again, you know, I guess my, my point is more sort of looking back um, from the quote-unquote endpoint, right? Because most basic education or K-12 education, you know, they see the end point as going to college, right? So, like, you know, that's why they brag about how many of kids went to Ivy League schools, so, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. But, but you think about it in the long run, I mean, that's really just barely the beginning of your life. Right. So then, when you, when you after finish your, your college, after you graduate, um, and that's barely the beginning of your life. Right. So then, so in a way, I guess my experience of you know um, being at McKinsey, involved in recruiting, and leading recruiting for many years as well as a partner, um, and then as um, you know also my work at the Gates Foundation, which is one of the you know largest foundations um, in the world, and looking at how real world look, look at talent, and you feel like there is a huge disconnect. Between what the you know people in basic education are thinking versus what the world actually needs, um, so I think that's my starting point. I realize that that viewpoint, although it's quite natural to me, is actually quite rare in basic education because you you sel- seldom get people of that perspective involved in basic education. Frankly, you know, just because it doesn't make much sense, right? So like, I have if I were going after economic um, returns, I I would have a much easier route, you know, staying in consulting or or doing things that's more like value-added, so to speak. But that, So that's why, again, I'm not making a moral judgment on anybody, it just doesn't make economic sense in today's world. So you have a very few of this type of perspectives getting into basic education, so you, this, this, this disconnect is very hard to bridge. Yeah, so that's why you have to take this ecosystem view when you look at education. Um, um, so that's why I say what, what we're doing is not really just another startup or anything or just building a school, it's really a social innovation angle. Because you have to look at, you know, the different components of the ecosystem, how they're connected, how they're disconnected, um, and then think about how do you, in a way, rebuild and reorganize the components in the system to make it work for the kids. Um, I think that's that's why, in a way, yes, it's difficult (laughs) because you have to, you're almost sort of, you know, uh, creating a mini society, so to speak. So I, I guess our view is that how do you make it replicable? So it's a, you know, we call it, have a replicable sort of, ecosystem of education that supports kids um, and in that concept we, pro- we we have this concept called three centers we put kids in the center of the classroom we put teachers in the center of school and we put schools in the center of community right so because we know you know like of course I think the first thing everybody can understand how do you do you know, children centered education but that's also much easier set that down because you know as, as adults it's actually quite easy for us to bully the kids, <laughs> because if you say that, we often say children have no voice, no choice, right? So, and then if we want something quick or with results quickly, it's actually, we have a lot of ways to do it very quickly, right? So we can punish them, you know, we can we can give them, you know, instant rewards many things you could do. Um, so, it's actually quite difficult, frankly, to hold back that urge um, to, you know, basically see results right away. And then that's, especially in today's China, it's becoming quite difficult because we, now, this education become this arms race almost, right? So it becomes, this, you know, we're so focused on cognitive stuff, so so focused on scores and tests, that there are many things we do are really against this idea. Um, so I think that's that by itself is quite difficult. But to do that, you really need educators who are able um, to perform in their professional capacity. And that is getting difficult as well. So if you look at what's happening in China, I think that this, this survey, which is really shocking uh, by Soho Education, asking, teachers, like, do you still want your um, children to be teachers? And then the shocking result is that I think only 2% said absolutely yes, and then 9% said possible, and then basically 90% said no, right? So if you think about it, you know, that's, you know, okay, the future is doomed, right? So like, you don't have enough <laughs> people who want, you know, to are so excited about being uh, teachers. I think the reason is because now teaching teaching, you know, again, they are, as individuals are, Suffering from such anxiety and pressure coming from society as a whole. Um, and then at the same time, they don't have that much professional development support because teacher is probably the most, I always say, it's probably the most challenging job under the sun because you're, what you're working with is human beings, right? So, like, nobody gets harder than that. Um, so it actually needs a lot of professional support, understanding children, understanding yourself, understanding how to work with others, and then and, and then on that basis, how do you design curriculum? How do you work with you know work as a team? And then how do you do assessment? And all you th- to name it, right? So it's actually quite complex. But on the on the on the on the other hand, if you look at the type of professional support a teacher gets versus what a, ne- a manager get who goes to this B school thing, you know, it's much less for the teachers, right? So you know, like the you know, so on the one hand the The requirement for teachers is this high, um and then the support is this low, right so then you know of course, then it becomes this very tiring job um that is not attractive, and you don't get paid well either, of course, on top of all that. so I think that's what're saying like, how do you then you know build an environment as they call put teachers in the center, meaning how do you really fully appreciate um the 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 demands uh, of teaching as a profession, and then on top of that and on the basis of that, you know providing that type of professional support. So I think on that we actually borrowed a lot of experience I've had from McKinsey right because McKinsey if you think about it um and only I guess after I've left I realized what a dif- what a different organization it is because in a way we can almost do anything right so it's not because we get you know technical people on on everything it's because there's it, this is a organization that um there's a saying we say we want to called attract develop and retain the best people Right, so if you if an organization of that nature, then you are able to adapt and learn and provide any service that's needed, right? Because and at a higher level of professionalism than others. So I think that the whole professional development components is actually the core um, of firms like that. Um, and if you think about it, it's actually in a way very similar to teaching, right? So then how do you then borrow that and then marry it with with the needs uh, in the teacher profession? And the last thing around putting um, school in the center of community is. Really, the sense uh, going back to the to the idea I mentioned that you know s- schools are really the you know um, is really where the society's future is, right? So if you think about that way, then everybody should become a contributor to it, rather than this is this is something that you know parents pay for a service to buy a product, right? So I think that concept is very toxic. So how do we you know I, I said you know turn like uh, parents to basically sort of the customer thinking into lifelong learners with their kids, right? Lifelong learners and partners with schools. And that's very critical. So I think having that turn is very important as well. So that idea, um, I think that's why it kind of made it quite um, different uh, in China. But but if you think about it, it's really nothing new. So I always say, all I'm doing is like, we're going back to what education should be, right? So that's why when I when we met with the uh, um, this um, um, uh, Finnish education uh, Finnish education counselor in Beijing so he's been working with um, uh, the Finnish embassy in Beijing for six years so when he visited Ito school he was uh, blown away So I was I was quite impressed because I never met him before and he was basically saying that you know that during the six years he was in Beijing this is the first time he saw a school that is very similar to the Finnish concept which you know I guess of course they're largely a public uh, system which we all know is um, is very phenomenal, right, compared to, you know, in terms of what they're building up. But the whole concept is that he said everybody asked him, you know, because now Finland, is are so famous, so good, like, what's Finland education or what's Finnish education? He was saying, like, there's no Finnish education. Like, all we do in Finland is kind of go back to common sense. <laughs> so he's saying, like, what we did in Finland or what Ito is doing is really just common sense. But I guess the unfortunate fact is sometimes common sense is that not that common. So it's hard to actually make that reality. So I think that's that's really the, um, you know, what's I think the essence behind the e 2 effort.
1: Thank you, Dr. Lee, for sharing your stories and insights on success. Through your talk, we learned what success is, how to be successful, and how to find your passion and much more. We are very happy to have you joining us today. And thanks for delivering these powerful messages to our parents and kids who are seeking for their own successes in life.
0: Great summary, yeah. Thanks, Ino, and thanks for everyone who is listening to Spark by Entrepreneur Kit, where all kids are empowered to learn, create, and become. I'm the host Lee.
1: I'm the co-host Yang.
0: We will see you next time.
1: Thanks for listening to the Spark Creators Podcast at peachandplumlab.com.